This episode of the County Morgue Puppet Theatre production of Mambo Murders is made possible by a grant from the Velveteen Turtle Foundation and by Clamella's Artificial Salty Clams, now in menthol. Pardon me a moment. (coughs) And by viewers like... Hello there. Do you enjoy true crime stories? Well, so do I. Do you simply adore a happy ending? Well, so do I. Who am I? My name is Madly Badger, and I am living proof that all a girl needs to succeed is a trusty typewriter and an electric cattle prod. Friends, What's the matter with you? Welcome to a sparkling new episode of County Morgue Puppet Theater, the second most downloaded podcast at the Unalaska Dutch Harbor Scuttle. What's that? All right, make that the third most downloaded podcast at the Unalaska Dutch Harbor Scuttlefish Refinery. We're here in studio with the fabulous County Morgue Community Players most of whom appear willingly, courtesy of the probationary courts. And I must say, you'll never find a more enthusiastic cast of players. Say hello to our listeners, players. Oh, whatever. Ah, Get on with that. Who's Guinness is that in the Of course, our show wouldn't be complete without our ever-popular host, Dickie Fiorentino. Hello, Mrs. Badger. Hello, Dickie. Dickie Fiorentino is a world-class personality. He is a graduate of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Pauses and currently teaches a master acting class at the Uncle Chekhov Online University of Exasperated Size. Oh, Dickie. Yes, Mrs. Badger. Would you please read the advertisement for our lovely corporate sponsor, the Velveteen Turtle? Why, certainly. We're pleased to announce the grand reopening of the Velveteen Turtle, where bedbugs are a thing of the past. The Pacoima Department of Infectious Disease has taken the locks off our door, so we invite you to join us for Cosba Night in the newly fumigated Sultan's Lounge with entertainment by the Vivian Schiaparelli dancers featuring Bubbles Velotrotsky. Performances at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10... 1030, 1045, 1050, 1055, and 1057 p.m. Bring your own patio furniture for a complimentary sparkling crystal snifter of Adelberry schnapps. Let's do, darling. Are you ready, cast members? All warmed up? Yes? 
Then let's hear that famous county morgue enthusiasm. Three cheers. Hip, hip. <laughs> hip, hip. Hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. Now let's dive into this thrilling new episode, Dickie, while our excitement is high. Kate Webster was born into horrifying poverty during the Irish potato famine. I say, players, show some enthusiasm. (laughs) Please proceed, Dickie. Kate Webster was born in 1849 in Killane County, Wexford, in Ireland. Two years earlier, the Irish potato famine had swung into full force, devastating that great country and killing millions of its citizens. The British crown could have come to the rescue, but it chose not to. Britain allowed this monstrous catastrophe to unfold, offering no assistance and turning its back on the millions of starving men, women, and children. Into this milieu of desperation and despair was Kate Webster Barn. Her parents were poor and pious Catholics of humble character, much admired in the neighborhood. Kate, however, was a different kind of person. Thank you, Dickie. Now, let's pause for a word from my dear nephew, Sippy Badger Jr., Just like every other legitimate true crime podcast, we make room for psychoanalytic evaluation. Sippy darling, please give us your psychiatric evaluation of Kate Webster. And could you please make it gender inclusive? We've received that request from several of our listeners, dear. Gender inclusive. Uh, okay. Uh, Kate Webster was a natural redhead. And as any psycho... Analytic. Good enough. Professional will tell you a redhead is a hot-tempered loner with a chip on his or her shoulder and a gypsy violin in his or her heart who will most likely squander his or her last shilling on a tumbler of laudanum and an easy woman or a fast-talking man or a non-binary scalawag. Well done, Sippy Dare. Thank you for that valuable insight. Here's the key to the medicine cabinet. Go help yourself. Oh, gee, thanks, Auntie. Crack on, Dickie. Legend has it Kate Webster was a loner, a moody child whose tendencies were decidedly not religious. Indeed, something decidedly secular coursed through Kate Webster's veins. Something hot and jazzy. Something cool and sassy. Something hip and breezy. Something finger-snapping and toe-tapping and hip-shaking. She couldn't stick a label on it, but she felt its breath on the small of her neck, and she pricked up her ears when it whispered her name. Dig that, Daddy-O. It's whispering my name. Katie, be cool. Katie, be hot. Katie, give it everything that you got. Ooh, ooh, ah, ooh. Katie, she fly. Katie, she swag. Katie, dig that non-binary scalawag. Ooh, ah, ooh, yeah. At the age of three, according to court documents that may or may not exist, Kate was caught stealing a set of toy bongos from a local toy shop. And... Okay, what? 
So uh, she felt all this cool and sassy stuff, and she became a criminal when she was three years old. Is that is that how this is working, Mrs. Badger? Oh, I know, I know, Dickie. It seemed unlikely to me, too. But I asked my head researcher, and he assured me he Googled it. You did, didn't you, Professor Von Gadbury? What's that, Professor? Why, yes, the rain in Spain does lie mainly on the plain. Oh, isn't he clever, Dicky? All right, then. Well, that gets an exasperated sigh. <sighs> when Kate's mother became aware of her daughter's bongo thievery, she forced Kate to bring them back to the shop and apologize. Hello, Mr. McGillicuddy. Oh, hello, Mrs. Webster. Mr. McGillicuddy, me we lost. Kate has something she wants to return to you. Now apologize to Mr. McGillicuddy, Kate. No, I don't have to. Huh. Get to it, me wee little daughter, or else I'm warning all you. All right, all right. Here's your bongos, Mr. McGillicuddy. And what do you say, young lady? What do you say? Oh, I apologize, Mr. McGillicuddy. That's quite all right, my dear. Oh, Mr. McGillicuddy, I love playing with fire. Do you have fire insurance? Why do you ask? Oh, no reason. No reason at all. <laughs> the very next day, the urgent clanging of a fire engine pierced the air. Mr. McGillicuddy's toy shop was aflame. The entire village came with hoses and buckets of water, but it was of no use. In the course of an hour, it would burn to the ground. Neighbors later reported Kate had been seen loitering around the back of the building, smoking cigarettes and striking matches on the wooden siding while singing to herself. But no direct evidence was ever found. Nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> As Kate grew into her teens, she became notorious for pilfering musical instruments at every turn. Tiny horns, teensy trombones, and pint-sized piccolos all disappeared from the shelves in her village. Get out of my You're shop! You're not welcome in yes, my shop, Get out! Get out! Jeez, you guys are going to give me a complex, you know that? In desperation, Kate's mother consulted the parish priest. Father McConnor, me wee little one will not obey me God-given motherly demands, nor the rightful demands of her earthly father. She's a wild child is what she is. She's been a little devil since the moment she was thrust into me womb. All she does is lock herself in her room and play her bongos and such devilish satanic rhythms like I've never heard. And she sets fire to everything, to the drapery, to her little spaniel, and to her father's newspaper while he's reading it. Aha! Uh -huh. Did you happen to notice during the act of conceiving your child that your husband had cloved feet and a pointed tail? Holy Mary in her cumulonimbus! How would I know such a thing? During that sinful and repugnant act, we turned out the lights, buried the holy statues in the bog, and pulled burlap sacks over our heads. Hmm, just as you should. Well then, did any satanic creatures cross your path during your pregnancy? 
Oh, a Presbyterian family moved in down the block. Aha, uh -huh. then we will need to do an exorcism. Oh, dearie me. That Sunday evening, Mrs. Webster brought Kate to the church and an exorcism was performed. Father McConnor threw holy water on the young girl, commanded Satan to make himself known, Hello, anybody in there? and swung a chicken around the tabernacle, knocking a contribution plate onto the floor. Oops, blasted anyway. That was my airfare to the anti-mame tryouts on Fire Island. Father McConnor, what about me wee little daughter? Who, her? Well, as you can see, madame, nothing happened during our exorcism. It was a dud. She's just a bad seed is what she is. Well, heck, I already knew that. You mean I missed Hogan's Heroes for this? Madam, you're stepping on my gown. Huh? Oh, you mean your sacramental vestments. Or do I? Work that body, uh, uh. work that body, work that body, uh, uh. work that Kate wasn't despised by everybody. There was a younger girl in the village, a girl named Brenda, who idolized Kate and who followed her around. Brenda was bow-legged, freckled, and somewhat plain. And if those ugly plastic flip-flops with the wide black band across the top had been invented 150 years earlier, she would have worn them, probably with tube socks, while swigging a half-priced pineapple mojito every third Monday from 5 to 6.30 p.m. at the Velveteen Turtle. That's right, ladies. Every third Thursday, it's ugly plastic flip-flops with the wide black band across the top night at the Velveteen Turtle. Oh, Lord, Mrs. Badger. Could I have that key to your medicine cabinet? Please continue, darling. Mm, okay. One quiet, foggy night, Kate perched on a stone fence outside of town, puffing on a cigarette and gazing meditatively at a distant cow. <coughs> that's a, a cow. It says a cow <coughs> here. <coughs> mm, that's a goat. <coughs> Is that the cow you got? That... Okay. Now you're playing with me. Brenda sipped a pineapple mojito while tossing lawn darts at an old tree stump. Katie looked at her and said, You know something, Brenda? Yes, Katie? One day I'm going to say goodbye to this place. I don't belong here. I'm no good and I know it. I'm a dosser. I got a complex. I'm just a bad seed. Father McConnor said so. It ain't so, Katie. It ain't so. You ain't no dosser. You just don't fit in at all. You got your ways. Aw, oh, gee, Katie. I sure do like how that apron fits you. Could I braid your hair, Katie? Could I? Ah, oh, Brenda, why do you follow me around, wee little pal? Can't you see I'm no good? I don't care, Katie. We all got our ways. We all got our secret side, don't you know? Aw, oh, gee. We all got that private version of ourselves. We daren't let the world see, for if we did, who knows what might happen. You know what I mean. No idea. Give me a sip of that mojito, Brenda. Ah, oh, gee, Katie. I told you, I go by the name Galveston now. Don't you remember? Okay, then. Give me a swig, Galveston. That's a mighty odd name, Galveston. 
but as good a name as any, I guess. Well, I considered Reginald, but then people would call me Reggie, and I don't like Reggie. Then I considered Thomas, but then people would call me Tommy, and I don't like Tommy. Then I considered Richard, but then people would call me Dick, and, ah, oh, gee, I don't like Dick. Well, that's obvious. I'm going to take myself away from this land, Galveston. I'm going to London to make me fortune. I hear there's lots of crazy clubs in London with live music that plays all through the night. A bongo artiste like myself could make a good living, don't you know? I'm going to take the next ferry out of here tomorrow morning on my word. Huh. But how will you afford it, Katie? Oh, don't you worry, wee little one. I'll get the money. I'm going with you, Katie. Oh, are you? Yes, I am. I've got a little bit of money saved. I can pay my own way. And I have relatives I can stay with. All right, then. I suppose I can't stop you. And may the road rise up to meet us. Or some such cliché. And so ends part one of the County Morgue Puppet Theatre production of Mambo Murders, the story of Victorian killer Kate Webster. Be sure to give us a good old thumbs up and keep your eye out for part two. This episode produced by Dibley Fairbridge. Choreography by Vivian Schiaparelli. Sign language provided by Luigi Sticky Fingers Calabrese. Incidental music provided by Heinrich von Hardfarten and the Detroit Cowbell Orchestra. Fact-checking by the Bearded Nuns of Santa Lucia. Be sure to visit their convent gift shop for the fall line of handcrafted body butters and mayonnaise. Wigs and stretch pants provided by the Velveteen Turtle Lost and Found. Production assistant, Bocephus Watanabe. Psychiatric research and bikini waxing by Sippy Badger Jr. <clears throat> Additional support provided by Underwild Brawls. Ta-ta, everyone. Till next time. Please note, events and persons have been referred to merely as inspiration for completely fictionalized drama. Dialogue, characterizations, situations, and advertisers are fictitious. Any resemblance to actual persons or places is strictly coincidental. <laughs>